0: Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey, and I'm Chris, and this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so, if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're regular, welcome back. All right, Chris, how you doing? Good, Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty swell. I've been uh, I've been getting up earlier around like six these days normally at seven but i've just like jumping right into work there's been so many things to do and it's been like half like anxiety just like want to start the day earlier and half like excitement because i just like want to get to the things i want to do um but i've been feeling good it hasn't been like a oh like you know waking up early and going to bed late Uh, in fact i've been trying to move my schedule more like waking up early and like not work at night or not stay up late and um feeling good so yeah all things positive. Nice. Yeah. Okay.
1: It's a, uh, there's no better feeling than when you're like excited to wake up and start your day and, and do your work basically. Yeah. It's uh, yeah it's quite the luxury.
0: Yeah. It's been good. I've been trying also to, um, again, I like I've been realizing more of my kind of working schedule a little bit and trying to actually do work when I'm like sort of best fit for it. And I don't know when it happened or why it happens, but Um, I think I'm like slowly transitioning into a morning person and I've noticed all like the productive time come in the mornings and like the afternoons are just like, not like a slog always, but, uh, I just, I have like half the motivation basically (laughs) afternoon strikes. And, um, so I've been trying to, and that's been fun. Like I've kind of like, you know, I'll go into the office and I had this big window right in front of me that faces. Uh, East, kind of like Southeast. And so the sun rises and I get to watch the sunrise and then it's like super orange in the morning and super quiet. And, uh, and it's just me, you know, for a couple of hours and I can just knock stuff out and it's kind of fun. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. So what's new in your world?
1: Um, yeah, the, the last last week was your typical roller coaster week, <laughs> a lot of a lot of ups and downs. But uh, yeah, actually, so one thing I, I was thinking about all week after we recorded our past episode was, I felt like we really glossed over the hay marketer sale, and I don't know if that was because I it know. happened a while ago or uh, I'm I'm just a bad co-host. But I, there's like a number <laughs> of questions I have now. I kind of
0: want to dive into it further. If, if you're down to do that. Totally. I w yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. I was like, did I talk about all the things I wanted <laughs> to? Like, I don't know if I really, yeah, I'm down though. I was like, I, w- I would like to share more numbers and, uh, and, and, more stories. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have things at the top of mind, but, but go for it.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the first thing I was wondering was that you mentioned if, if I remember the numbers correctly, that you retained an 18% stake of, of ownership in the business how did you guys come up with, you know, 18 to 82, who made like the first offer and was there any negotiation?
0: Yeah, actually, um, actually Rich did. And I'm sure he wouldn't mind me talking about it. Uh, and if not, <laughs> if not, <laughs> you wouldn't know because this episode wouldn't be live anymore. But um, originally I was thinking, uh, I would just sell like the whole thing just kind of like get it off my plate. Um, but it was actually in the discussion around the numbers where, he was like, Hey, actually I'd be, he's like, I want to have you sort of on board a little bit and like have like your interest in it. Um, just cause of like my, I guess like personal brain and sort of like later on, just like, you know, being able to like promote it and sort of advise and stuff to have a bit of the skin and skin in the game. So we like arrived at like some numbers and then like looked over a couple of different options. So it was like, um, 18% 12% and 10%. I think it was. Um, and so obviously if I got 10%, then I'll get a larger number or I could get 18% and get a slightly smaller number. And it wasn't that big of a difference for either of us. And so I figured, well, I'll just take the largest equity number. Cause that makes the most sense. And to be frank, even that number was larger than most of the other numbers I was seeing from other people offering to, to buy it. And so it felt like a win-win. I was like, I can kind of have my cake and eat it too, or have my <laughs> have my cake and eat it too? And uh, so I was pretty lucky there, but yeah, I was basically like just running through the numbers. I the the valuation stuff like is a little bit hodgepodge because it's it was it's so like small and early stage that mm-hmm. it wasn't around like it, we kind of like set an anchor price around like the revenue and expected revenue and kind of like split it down the middle and then. Um, and then basically worked up from there based on other offers I was getting, I was like, well, Hey, I have this number here. Like, you know, what do you think about that? And I kind of played the, I don't know, uh, I forget the expression, but, you know, just kind of bounced around to a couple of different people and shopped it around. And then that number climbed up a little bit. And that's where we started talking about, okay, well, if we want to get to this number, here's a couple of ways we can get there. And we started talking about, um, keeping a percentage.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to have multiple offers because then you
0: can, it's not just straight based on the numbers. Totally, yeah, I feel like I didn't even, um, it was sort of unintentional, but the two biggest things that I've heard to negotiating well are obviously having multiple offers and then not giving, like not putting a ceiling on what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And so I basically was like, look, I have no idea what this is worth and I'm sort of open to everything. So every offer I got, I would just like go pass it to the next person. And I was never, I never put like a, Hey, I'm looking for X thousand or X million. There's no way I'd get to a million, but you know, it was just, it was never like, here's the number I'm looking for. I was Mm -hmm. basically like, I'm open to any number. And that way there was no way I could sort of like cap myself. uh, Right. So I had both of those factors going for me.
1: Yeah. That's really great advice. Yeah. Was there any sort of...
0: I'd, i heard it later. I sort of knew a little bit, but I, it wasn't intentional, but I had just heard Sam. I think I talked about it, Sam Parr and Kieran from HubSpot talking about, and, and Sean was kind of like playing, you know, middleman man talking about how they were doing it. And Sean was like, yeah, like you shouldn't have counter offered. Basically you just say like, cool, that's a nice offer. Appreciate it. And then like shop it around still and wait for like a higher number until you sort of let them cap themselves out. Uh, but, it was an un- unintentional from my end. Interesting. Huh? That's cool though. Yeah. The, the, the classic advice is like, you know, you sort of highball, they counter with a low ball and then you like split in the middle. But I think in the case of a lot of business or like product acquisitions that ends up not working well because, uh, especially with someone who's like way larger than you or has a bigger checkbook, um, that helps, in their scenario, because you probably are thinking smaller than they are, and so mm-hmm. if if you like, if they lowball you and then you counter with a with a high, your high still might not be actually that high for them, and so you don't want to, yeah, cap your ceiling too early, right? That makes sense. Was there any sort of uh,
1: like? Did he do any sort of due diligence as far as the product? I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's crazy like you, you built a product with no code tools and sold it Like you've got to be you know one of the first uh, i mean i guess they've been around for a while but it's it's pretty awesome
0: that's a good point actually the due diligence was actually really easy because there was no code involved that he had mm-hmm. to review i literally i recorded a, a loom video um, or actually it was, it was a soapbox video um from wistia on just like me running through like the whole workflow of, hey, it starts in Typeform and then it goes to uh, Google Sheets and then it goes to um, Webflow and then it goes, you know, like ConvertKit and then like Zapier in between and like would show them each of these apps and then I showed them start, from, start to finish how it worked and then like the numbers behind each one. So I showed them, you know, how many jobs have been going through, like the Zapier history, ConvertKit, subscriber count, um, things like that. And it was... So like he knew, and then like we hopped on a call and did it live again, just so just like one more time, even just, it was a little bit less due diligence and more like, how does this work? (laughs) Kind of thing. And um, yeah, so that was like really, really quick. It was like two or three days. And then I I gave him access to a couple of things like Google analytics and um, uh, in type form and maybe one or two other things. Uh, But that also made it really easy to transfer because I just like handed over accounts and everything still worked, uh, the same. Like there was no like transfer really. It was just, you know, swapping accounts basically.
1: Mm -hmm. So did you, did you do all of that? Like, did you guys have a verbal agreement in place or have, how did that work?
0: Yeah. Thankfully he had a lawyer on his end, um, who was really, really friendly and collaborative, uh, and super, I mean, honestly, I can't, say good enough things about Rich and about the whole process because you just like made it as seamless and like I yeah. was the bottleneck for sure on like <laughs> timing and like communication and sort of how it worked but um I he had a lawyer draft up like an LOI and then I had like a friend basically uh I, I he basically did it for free because he was like hey you know it's not worth my time to like put a couple hours into this but I'd be happy to look at it for free so he was also very generous he didn't see anything like predatory or like giant red flags. And so, um, it was really, really simple. And then once I signed the LOI, uh, then we worked through the details of like transfer. And, um, we basically did like a a live call where it was like, okay, everything's complete. Like we signed the docs, like the final kind of agreement. And then like I transferred some things, uh, right away. And then like he wired things right away. Mm. And, um, that was it. Like it was really, really quick.
1: Okay, cool. So there's no like escrow or anything like that. You guys just no, did it all No, we live. didn't even use an escrow. Yeah. yeah. Cause
0: it was more That's of cool. a handshake kind of deal. We did it live and we, we basically structured it so that uh, once we signed the deal, like that made it alive. And so, uh, you know, we, we then simultaneously started switching things over like an escrow would, um, but it wasn't big yeah. enough to really be worth yeah. going through some sort of escrow deal.
1: So I guess this is the last question then the, the 18% that you still own, did he form like a separate company around it or, or yeah, how did that officially happened?
0: Yeah. That was the other part. I think there was, um, it ended up being a blessing in disguise a little bit because I hadn't like formally incorporated it. It was still sort of under me as a sole proprietorship, essentially. Right. And um, so basically, like, the sale agreement was the formation of the LLC, um, which also made things fairly easy because it wasn't really even, like, a transfer of ownership. It was more uh, the incorporation. And then, like, at at the same time, simultaneously, he would buy 82% of my shares and make the transfer for sort of the assets and things that I had already done. Um, and that way now there's a formal sort of entity. Uh, there's like a legal kind of record of, of ownership and with transfer. Um, and, uh, and there wasn't any like change necessarily. It was more just like a from zero to one kind of process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That seems that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. I really, again props to to rich and to his <laughs> lawyer. Um, they really made it a great process and very thankful for both of them. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I was, what else was I thinking? I wanted to share a little bit on like percentages and numbers. So I think I talked about that, but I'm trying to think if I missed anything else. Um, but I'm glad you brought that up because I also felt like, Oh, did I do a good job? Like <laughs> I'm trying to be as like open and transparent as possible. I was like, did I really do that? I don't know. So, yeah, no, it's so funny because I was, like I said,
1: all week I was thinking like, I mean, I've, I've never sold a product before. I don't really know what all is involved with it. And it's, like I said, it's interesting that this is an, a no-code product. So, um, yeah, yeah, we uh, felt like we, d- we didn't dive into it enough and I guess I'm glad <laughs> we got to follow up a little bit on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny too was... I had, I technically sold my first business before I incorporated my first business because I didn't actually, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it wasn't like technically incorporated. I just, you know, two months ago, officially incorporated swipe files Mm -hmm. as an LLC. And, uh, so it's a little bit funny, um, having my first sale before my first actual incorporation, but, uh, semantics mostly. That is funny.
1: And and, and what about your nephew? Did, did he get anything out of the deal? (laughs) <laughs> I know
0: he's he was working on the the job board for a while. <laughs> no, no, unfortunately not. He got a decent amount of cash from me before that, uh, before I even took any revenue from it. But uh, yeah. no, yeah, maybe. Uh, no, he's he's going to keep getting cash from me. So
1: <laughs> yeah, I know you've, you've got him working on a few other things.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it was good. It was fun. I'm glad I can sort of finally talk about it. again. He's doing a great job. Just building up this portfolio of uh, of job boards and I'm really excited to be, you know, a small part of it. And, um, and the site too is is live so you can kind of see what he's working on as well. But, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's great. I think job boards just in general, I think are a great like niche indie hacker kind of business. And especially you have a portfolio of them. I think it's a fantastic strategy. So yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to just, that was my main thing. I was like, look, Above all else, like, I just kind of want to see how this plays out and like (laughs) be a part of it, even if like the numbers don't work out great for me, but they did in the end. So
1: awesome.
0: Yeah. And, oh, and to be clear, it wasn't a, (laughs) wasn't a life changing amount of money, but uh, (laughs) the, the number I'll say is that it was uh, a few months of runway essentially, which is also good sort of padding for me and um, helped me uh, have some additional security. So um, that's the number that I'll put on it.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's, it was a huge win for you because r- regardless of, you know, you would pretty much put it on the back burner at that point. So, yeah. uh, to, to t- offload yeah. it and to get a great deal out of it. That's pretty sweet.
0: Yeah. I mean, literally the story is that, uh, I started to put it on the back burner, back burner. I hadn't touched it in a while, was feeling super guilty about it. <laughs> And I was literally telling my wife, I was like, I wonder if I should just shut it down and just like move on. And she was like, you know, don't you think someone would want to buy it? And I was like, "Ah, I don't know. It probably wouldn't be worth my time like going and like sourcing it. And I have to go through all the trouble. She's like, why don't you just, um, why don't you just like see if a couple of people are interested in it? I was like, oh, maybe I'll just like tweet about it. And then like, uh, oh, you know what? I'm missing a critical part there. It was me thinking about shutting it down, uh, She said, why don't you ask some people? I said, no. Serendipitously, this guy reached out and asked if I'd be interested. And then I thought, okay, why don't I just tweet about it and see if other people are interested and then the rest is history. So very fortunate.
1: Yeah. Awesome.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, if anyone else has any other questions, um, feel free to drop my DMs on Twitter and we'll be happy to answer them. But hopefully we covered most of the big things.
1: Yeah. And uh, I feel like last week you also had another big thing going on.
0: Yeah, I opened up the course sales if that's what you're referring to. Yeah. Um, and it went pretty good. Uh, wasn't like the the huge kind of um, the huge numbers like they were in September and December. I sort of knew that because September was again like the first time that I like had that kind of open roll open enrollment closed enrollment model. Mm-hmm. And the December were great numbers also. And I think it was partially due to it just being like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, right? people wanting, like, are open to buying. And they're just kind of like grabbing everything that has a deal on it. Um, so I expected it to, be, it to be smaller. My goal was to make about 5,000 in sales. The final numbers were uh, 4,283, so just above 4,000. Um, and 17 sales, technically. So I'm still happy with it. I think it's great. Um, my strip payout for... Uh, for March is going to be awesome and i'm, and I'm yeah. loving it so no complaints there and uh it was a good process yeah i mean i think the main thing i think is that i'm kind of exhausting the those lists a little bit so i am wondering if maybe i should try to grow those lists and like build i haven't really again marketed the courses that well i'm trying to focus more the attention on the all access membership instead so i'm, I'm wondering if maybe there's something to change but I don't have any like fully formed thoughts there. It's just kind of in the back of my mind about it.
1: Yeah. I guess what would it look like to grow those courts, to grow those mailing lists? Is it you
0: going on other podcasts and, or or producing content? That's the thing is it's, it's kind of the same as like anything else I would do for swipe files. And I'd Mm -hmm. rather prioritize the recurring revenue through the membership and the all access pass. So I'm like, I don't know if I could like directly, really market the courses individually and if that's worth doing or if I should just focus on growing like the list overall and then you know just have uh you know notifications for when they go open uh open and close you know every three months um so yeah I don't don't know uh I'm kind of feeling like maybe there's not a lot of actionable things there I'm just gonna like keep doing the same thing over again I also changed the prices on both of them which I'm not sure if that affected it but I I upped the price of mental models for marketing from 200 to 300, so 1.99 to 2.99. But I gave everyone a coupon this time to keep the old price, um, which I think worked fairly well. But maybe it wasn't like the super enticing deal of like you know you get the same price. It's not like mm-hmm. the, the most amazing offer. And then refactoring growth I actually dropped the price from 4.99 to 2.99 because I want to make all the all the. All the course prices, any future ones like standardized the same, just for simplicity's sake, uh two ninety nine, and then I can always discount by a hundred bucks and still feel good about it, or even fifty percent off for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Um but that also I, I allowed people to I basically it was forty nine four ninety nine and I was like, Hey, here's the new price at two ninety nine, use this coupon. Um so again, what maybe it wasn't like the most enticing offer, but uh nonetheless, it was good. So yeah, that's solid.
1: And I, I think I agree with you that now that you do have swipe files and you're focused on that, the courses are more just like assets to go along with swipe files and like you said, it'd be a part of the all access membership.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sort of, sort of the vision is um to have like a few courses, even several courses, and kind of do like a you know fizzle by uh, Corbett Corporate Bar and and those mm-hmm. guys you know, they, they basically have, it's like 39 bucks a month for the community and like all of their content and courses. And they have like, you know, 50 or like a hundred courses, basically. Um, I don't know if I'd go that far. That's like a lot, a lot of work. Um, But something like that, essentially where it's like, Hey, you could buy the courses individually if you want, but I really, I just want you to buy the all access membership and, or maybe the pricing will evolve and, you know, you can get access to all the courses at a higher subscription point or something like that. But um that's more the model of what I'd like to do
1: hey i can totally relate to that that sounds exactly like what i'm doing with jetboost so yeah
0: yeah just, so. i mean just literally giving people as many reasons as possible to join the membership yeah and it's not like a money grab kind of thing it's just like that's the the biggest value add for both sides it's the best deal for the members and the customers and it's the best deal for me in having recurring revenue and not having to constantly be pushing courses all the time.
1: Yeah. I I saw you did tease uh a, a couple new courses you have listed there on the
0: site. Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, get some feelers out there a little bit. But uh I'm I'm workshopping one of the sort of MVPs of the course right now, Earning Trust at Scale. It's like the tentative kind of title mm. um based off of the tiny MBA, uh one of the the tweets and sort of lessons in there from Alex Hillman. Um, but it's a little bit about like how to build an audience and borrow other people's audience and kind of like build a marketing plan and strategy for like anyone and everyone kind of like a more flagship kind of course. And the other one's more focused on copywriting, but I haven't made any, any progress in that one either. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Nice. Yeah. The the other milestone I can share on, uh, swipe which is pretty exciting is that I, I just crossed the $2,000 in MRR um, metric. Oh, wow. So, yeah, officially, I think I'm at like 243 members now. Of course, with my luck, and as it always goes, you know, it's going to like dip down (laughs) a little (laughs) bit as soon as I cross that milestone. But as of this recording, I'm at uh, $2,005 in MRR, uh, which is pretty exciting. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Of course, again, it's not actually month over month like cash flow it's cuz it's annual upfront. Um and actually the, the like the cash flow the last couple of months has been like much more than that. It's been like yeah, you know, 4 to 5000. uh but like technically the MRR is 2000 now.
1: Nice. Yeah. It's uh, it's always great to get those annual payments up front.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, again, trade-offs, but it's it's uh if I can keep up the pace, it's definitely a pro cuz then I get more revenue than I technically would on a monthly basis, um, and so I can kind of accelerate that timeline to default alive. But uh, yeah, feeling pretty stoked about that one. It's feeling a lot of momentum with the community. I'm pretty stoked to also have uh, some AMAs scheduled. I'm actually, this week, uh, Rand Fishkin is in, and he's taking AMAs. He's the, uh, he was my first guest on Everything Is Marketing, and so there's also like some, you know, something to go off of, and there's a whole bunch of questions in there, so I'm super stoked for that. I'm gonna have maybe like, one or two a week for, I think like kind of forever. Now I'd like to keep that momentum going and some workshops as well. Actually shout out to uh, the software social pod. I think Michelle Hansen is open to doing a, a workshop and a few other people starting on like customer research and we'll kind of do like series of, um, of workshops. So things are looking up for the community. I'm, I'm super stoked. That's yeah. why I'm getting, getting up early is I want to make <laughs> sure I'm like on top of it and getting all these things done and um, keep adding value to the community members yeah the community is just insane value it's crazy it's fun i I really it's like it's a pretty magical thing but um it's just such a unique like business opportunity because there's the network effects of the community members um and i really like i don't have to it's not just like the utilitarian thing with a product and it's also not like a transactional thing with with me, like I, I'll, I will teach you something, but it's how hey, you get the value of everyone in this community. We all pitch in, we all learn from each other. And, uh, that just allows you to, or allows me to deliver way more value than I'd be able to on my own. So it's fun. Like seeing that, just like seeing the snowball slowly start roll, and more of the networks come into play, network effects come into play.
1: Yeah, totally. I was actually, I was perusing the uh, swipe files forum last week. And yeah, you know, we talk a lot about how, uh, it's like you said, it's not just you teaching things. It's, it's other people teaching things. I mean, there's so many smart marketers and smart marketers in there. There's like you said, the, the AMAs. Uh, but I saw one thing interesting that I hadn't thought about, which was, uh, and actually I had a call with this guy last week, Mark, who is the founder of uh power importer, which is a product for, um, the Webflow audience as well, uh, to sync webflow and airtable. And him and I were chatting and he was talking about how he's looking to hire a marketer. And then next thing I, I know, I'm like a couple of days later I'm, I'm looking in the swipe files community and he had posted, Is anyone interested in uh, doing some marketing work for me? And I thought, wow, like this is a great community to find a marketer for a hire. Like this is this is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I would hope so. I mean already there's been there's been quite a few like referrals made and people kind of making connections. And so I I do think it's a, it's a really good kind of channel and place for people to, that's mostly like when people ask me, I'm like, that's actually exactly what I told Mark. I was like, look, I could probably like tweet it out or email a little bit, but like your best bet is just going to the community and posting and like, they'll find it on them by themselves. And uh, I can sort of like endorse it. But uh, that's like where I would go to source most of the stuff now these days anyways, because all the people I refer to are there. So it's pretty yeah. fun.
1: So, so you actually recommended that to him then?
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I told him to do.
1: <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I, yeah. See, I didn't even know that. So, uh, that yeah,
0: awesome. but a lot of other people, um, have done it organically too, but, uh, yeah, he's like, what do you think I should do? And I told him to post on Hey Marketers and a post in there. And, um, yeah, but it's definitely a good, I think it's, it's, I mean, just in general, it's a super underrated, like recruiting and hiring technique. It's just a, post like an open rack in in these communities and that's usually where you find kind of the top top talent yeah that makes sense cool yeah i can run through um just like a couple i have like two more like kind of small things than can hear about your week and maybe we can talk about an interesting development in the no code <laughs> world also but uh on the content side of things i I'm working on a couple of ideas. I have a couple of like drafts and I'm again I'm ramping up content. I've joined this uh, compound writing group and really looking, you know, I had this idea. I was like, what if I, I've been trying to take more inspiration from uh, David Perel. He's just like the smartest guy in the world, I feel like. <laughs> and um, he's just like, so like cutting edge in a lot of things. And again, that's like right up my alley with marketing. It's fun cause he's not like a marketer in marketing, but all the things he does, I'm like, dang, that's really, really smart. And he's been like published, he's been publicly publishing like these drafts and like mini essays uh, on his site and sort of on Twitter as well. And I was like, I I could do that for Swi files, but even that feels like a little bit too like heavyweight and clunky for what I want to do to get more stuff out there. I was like, what if I started like a little newsletter of like, not drafts, but just like Ideas and premises for articles that I would write and that would help me one build the newsletter And two kind of like directly get feedback from people about these ideas if they You know reply or respond or have a question based off of it And then I could sort of like organically develop these premises for articles and um, So that's what i'm working on right now. It's basically like a evergreen newsletter for these bite-sized marketing lessons and ideas that will eventually sprout into like these fully fleshed kind of articles and and essays. Um, so I'm pretty stoked about it because I think it'll be fun. Like, you know, just like, uh, it'll basically be like you, you subscribe. And then, um, every day for as long as I've entered ideas, there'll be like one new, you know, paragraph length, like idea around marketing or, or lesson around marketing that you can kind of take away. And it's just like a little nugget basically. Um, and so, Right now it'll be, you know, probably like five or 10, but then like every new one, will just like tack onto that. And like, eventually there might be 365 days of marketing <laughs> and this little kind of evergreen thing that is valuable in and of itself. Uh, so I'm pretty stoked about that. I think that'll be fun. And, um, the other thing I'm trying to work on is developing the Swifiles brain, which is like this sort of MVP ish idea. I launched with, uh, with product hunt and it's basically like a curated literal swipe file that's right now been hosted in notion but it's not very good because uh, for like one I'd have to add every member into notion um, to be able to search and filter in that like a space which like isn't very good because I I don't know I just I know that I would forget to add people and then it's just gonna be like a whole like support thing yeah, And unfortunately, like Potion, what Noah Bragg is working on, like it's probably not going to be a good fit because creating a static page then like removes all the search and filtering functionality within Notion that I want to keep to make use of the swipe file. Same thing with Super. Um, and like doing it all within Webflow is a little bit too clunky because a key part of the workflow is me like adding to it. And Notion has a great web clipper that I can just like quickly add anything I see around the web from any mm. device. Um so I kind of have two options. Like I can I can create uh these like filtered pages within Notion. So instead of it being like one massive database, there'll be like a page for each view that you can cycle between but that even that's a little bit clunky. Or I'm thinking about moving to Airtable and potentially even using Power Importer to sync with Webflow and then use Jetboost in Webflow to do all the search and filtering. The only problem is that Airtable only has uh, a desktop web clipper. They don't have a mobile web clipper. And so I would need to find a way to like process things um, that I find on mobile to desktop, which like maybe wouldn't be the biggest deal, but I just like, I'm trying to optimize for like The easiest workflow from me finding something to it being published somewhere where someone can find it. So we'll see. The then the next thing I'm trying to do is get access to Webflow's API, in which case I might be able to send anything from Notion to Airtable that would be synced with Webflow. (laughs) Just like, you know, then things get really complicated, but uh, that's the next like big no code project for swipe files okay
1: so you you can't you can't just make like a private i don't know enough about notion uh but like a private
0: share link that you could give to people no you you have a couple of options you can make it private you can make it shareable you can share it to the web which just makes it like a publicly viewable page but then it doesn't have search or filters or you can add people to the space and then And then they can search and filter, but you have to add them manually because there's no authentication system or automated way to add people to a specific uh, page or workspace. Um, So, Notion is pretty clunky in that respect.
1: I think actually, I think
0: MemberSpace built an integration
1: for this with Notion, but obviously you're on MemberStack.
0: I know, and that would really be (laughs) a lifesaver. Yeah, and I even, I yeah, I thought about it. (laughs) moving everything to members to member space would be a lot of work and I'm just not sure it'd be worth. I don't know. I'm not sure it'd be worth it. And or if it'd be like, what are the trade-offs involved? I know member stack and member space sort of have different product visions and I'm not really sure where, yeah. Anyways, it's, it's a whole thing. Yeah.
1: I mean, those tools are extremely sticky because once you have your site set up, like
0: you don't want to go move all of your users and billing and all of that. I can just imagine like, even just me sw- swapping out the the domain, like moving from .co to .com and updating all that with MemberStack was like a huge, wasn't a pain with MemberStack, but it was just that changed everything with like the authentication and the sites. And I know that like MemberStack lives in the middle of all these things. So like I said, it's very sticky because if I, ch- if I swap that out, then I have to swap everything else out also. Mm. And... Um, I'm just not sure again that that's worth it and or what the trade-offs are. I wouldn't want to then land in number space and be like, Oh, there's this other thing that I'm now missing and right. which one is better, greater. Should I switch back? And I'm kind of just waiting it out. Um, maybe, maybe there's a solution here with, I, cause ideally I don't even want to use notion. So if I can mm-hmm. do it within webflow and JetBoost, synced between notion or Airtable, that would be perfect. Uh, yeah, so
1: aren't there, uh, just like the web clipper apps, I, I want to say like pocket. Um, yeah, I've been wondering about that. Um, cause I think they all have like Zapier integrations. You're right.
0: I was trying to think, I was like, what's like a, like a general web clipper tool that could use Zapier or something else, even Integromat or whatever, I don't care to send it into something like Airtable mm-hmm. that could sync with webflow. That's a good idea. I need to find if anyone else has any other ideas of like web clippers that integrate with Zapier really well. Um, I'm all ears. Yeah. There's gotta be something. Yeah. I'll have to look into that because originally what I found, I knew that notion had a good web clipper because I have been using it for myself. Um, Airtable also has a really good web clipper because it's, it's actually interesting. You can like take screenshots and like highlight text and like, it's like very customizable. Whereas notion is like, it just grabs whatever is from the URL. Um, But yeah, I need to look into more of those. Cool. Yeah. So that's me. What's what's new with you?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I got a few things I'll, I'll try to run through. Uh, So we don't go too long. But uh, yeah, the first thing I want to talk about was just uh, earnest capital and how, you know, I feel super fortunate to be a part of that and to have taken uh, some investment from them for JetBoost. And case in point, last week, I sent out my investor update. And as part of that update, uh, there's, this is kind of like the the earnest template that I use. Um, there's a section for putting in any asks that you have of, uh, you know, the people at Earnest who are reviewing it or anyone else that you're sending it to. And I, I had kind of like three, I've had three sort of lingering questions or uh, I called them paranoias in my mind that, that are growing as Jetboost grows. Yeah. Um, and, and it's around like the, the terms of service, the privacy policy. Uh, so, you know, when you, uh, a lot of times when you start a SaaS product or any sort of online product, it's easy to go grab some other uh, privacy policy terms of service from some other SaaS company and
0: make find your... And replace the name. <laughs> yeah, find and replace
1: the name and, and make a few edits to it on your own. And it's like, okay, that, that works well for the beginning, but... Um, you know, it's been, it's been over a year now and uh, as Jetboost continues to grow and, and takes on larger uh, customers, it's just like, okay, it's it's time to get a real uh, lawyer to over oversee these things. And um, so that was one of them. And then just a couple other legal insurance questions, um, things around trademarking. And so I sent out this investor update. And I want to say within like an hour or two, uh, one of the earnest mentors who we talk about all the time, Michelle Hansen, uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, she, she replies with this like detailed, uh, basically detailed, actionable answers to every single question that I asked. And it wow. was like, here's this lawyer, email him, he'll get you set up with the terms of service privacy policy. He did it for us. Uh, here's the insurance company you need to talk to. Um, and then Tyler chipped in with, uh, a few things about the trademarking. And I was just like, my mind was just blown. I was like, I, first of all, I, I didn't even know how to go about like solving these problems. Uh, mm. and the, the fact that I was able to, to tap into the, the earnest community. And, uh, like I said, it, it's, it's just been, I feel just very fortunate to have been able to be a part of that. And that's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like so I, I cool. so believe in their mission and,
0: and what they're doing. Yeah. I, I feel like more and more the value proposition is is very, very clear for something like earnest, where it's just like you you plug in, like they're they're unblockers in every sense of the word of funding, uh, advice, connections, network, uh, mentorship. Uh, that that's really, really cool. By the way, you're also every week when I, or every month, when I sit down to do my sort of advisor update, I'm like, fuck, Chris is so much better at me than this. <laughs> 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 Mine are like <laughs> terrible. I, Why? like I don't know what it is. I, I think Where'd we've talked about five. this before, but I'm so like forward looking and like sort of stereotypical visionary. And I just like, I literally don't remember what I did yesterday. And like sitting down to like, reflect and think through what I did the last month is like, it's like this huge ordeal and it always ends up like I miss things and or just like don't articulate things very well. And then I send mine and then I read yours the next day. <laughs> really, I should just like read yours before. Like I just wait till you send and then I should like write mine. Um, but somehow I always read yours later. I was like, dang, this is so much better. And uh, so anyways, That's props hilarious. to you for also writing very good investor updates because it makes it easy for people like Michelle to then jump in and give you amazing advice wow well yeah i i wasn't aware of that it's i mean i I started
1: doing quote unquote investor updates before i even had investors it was more of just a way for me to like you said reflect on the previous month and um sometimes i feel like when i'm writing them it's like therapy for myself to just let everything go that that happened or uh yeah yeah, move on to the next month so that's i guess i'm I'm honored to
0: hear that yeah yeah Uh, that that's so cool i mean that's exactly what they're for right and uh props to michelle for for being able to do that and that's i love that when you're just like no oh, these things are driving me crazy and yeah i'm super scared and then it's like oh solution 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 <laughs> done like no worries yeah yeah it's crazy
1: and i yeah so along the, i mean everything that tyler uh has started with Ernest, i just love his approach of like it's not just a traditional fund or even a traditional bootstrapper fund it's we're going to experiment and try different things and we're going to keep what works and we're going to uh you know get rid of what doesn't work and uh he's done that with the both on the funding side and on the company side so uh he started the uh, like the subscription model for funding uh so yeah. it's not just we go out and raise huge amounts of funds, uh, every few years. It's, uh, let's just, if, if we're funding all these subscription companies, why don't we become a subscription as well? And, uh, so I thought that was super cool, but one new thing that they're doing that I'm a part of now, and I, I may have mentioned this before is, uh, they're, they're testing out advisory boards for earnest companies, uh, and it's obviously what's different uh, from like a VC-backed company is uh, the boards don't have, you know, there's no like voting rights or shares or anything like that. It's more just um, mentors that, that want to be able to help out uh, the earnest companies and and they all have a stake in the larger earnest company pool. So uh, theoretically it, it helps them out eventually. So uh, yeah, last week I was uh assigned the advisory board members for JetBoost, and so it's four people i'm actually not sure if uh, i should probably reach out and see if i can name everyone but uh, michelle's obviously one of them and i was going through the list and i was just looking at everyone's bios and i was like oh my god i can't believe like just the <laughs> it's crazy like everyone has like successfully sold a company before um you know, they're all running companies now. And it was just, it was like, wow, like I have access now to these people who are willing to take some time to help me work on my business. And, uh, that was, that was pretty cool. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what comes out of that and, uh, share more on this podcast.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. So it's, it's basically like a way, cause I know that the, the mentors have been a part of, um, sort of like the earnest, uh, I guess like ecosystem and their process for supporting founders. Uh, but now this is like a formal way to like plug mentors in specifically with a company. So it's not just like, Hey, I need an intro to someone or like I have a question and they might see it in Slack, but like you have a group of people who, you know, uh, will like be there to answer questions for you in particular. Is that the the thought behind it? Exactly. And yeah, uh,
1: I don't know exactly how like the the matchmaking process was done but basically I filled out a form saying uh you know telling a little bit more about Jetboost and here's where it's at here's what I'm struggling with and where I think I could use help uh and then I guess somehow they all they all got matched up and uh I had a couple people say to me you know, they went through similar issues with, with scaling with support and they're looking forward to being able to help mm. out. So I was like, awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, was, was going to ask if, um, if they had any thoughts around support.
1: Yeah. So we haven't had an official meeting yet. Um, it's all been email so far, but the thought is, uh, it's basically like a quarterly board meeting. So, oh, uh, right. G- going to be setting up one at the end of end of March or early April. And then, um, uh, Basically, we're we're going to the the thought from Ernest is we'll do that one and then one around uh, the end of second quarter and then mm-hmm. kind of reevaluate if this is um, working for people or not.
0: Okay, cool. So you'll you'll actually have like a sort yeah. of meeting altogether too as well.
1: Right. Yeah, and it's like it's I guess a you know I've never <laughs> done a board meeting before, but you're you're presenting the the, the numbers and. Uh, where things are at and and setting goals and all of that, so it should be good
0: that's fun, yeah, yeah. really cool props to them for being forward thinking and uh it's awesome hearing that the updates and how it's helped you yeah uh
1: yeah, so super super stoked about ernest they they've been great, and uh I had a call with another founder last week who was asking about them, and I was just like yeah i can't can't recommend them enough, so yeah super cool. Uh, let's see what else do I have from last week? So I finally released, uh, another clonable to the Webflow showcase. This was a recipe directory and I've, I've been sitting on this for a long time. Uh, my designer actually finished it in December and yeah, (laughs) and I didn't get it out before I went on paternity leave. So Mm. that means it's just been sitting around in my account. And so it felt good to get that out there and and she was happy um but definitely did not do i mean it's it's done 11 clones so far much much smaller numbers than previous ones um the the two job boards i think the one that made the front page which is obviously a huge boost um that's that's almost 700 now and then the other one was just over 100. Uh, but i mean a job board is more general purpose you could launch your own job board. You could use it for your company website. Uh, a, a recipe right. site is, is much more niche. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. It's still fun to, for me, it's just fun to hire someone to build those and like, she's got full creative freedom and I can just sit back and say, you know, here's what I'm looking for. And then she comes back
0: with this finished product and it's just, it's awesome to see. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I didn't really, I guess it's, it's interesting to like really see the demand for what people are using, you know, webflow and jet boost for money. I I hadn't really thought about this before, but you could probably get a pretty good sense of what to build for clonables. Um, just by like surveying your customer base of like, Hey, what are you? (laughs) And then like, you know, try to form some like major categories and then like build clonables around that. Um, I hadn't really, it's, it's not entirely surprising that the recipes one isn't, isn't yeah. a huge thing. I think it's still good. Cause like that's a base that you can cover. And it's, I would assume that maybe if, if people, they might be a little bit more motivated since it's not as, uh, it's not as accessible or like, you know, there's like a, a bunch of job board templates out there now, or there's going to be, especially in the future. But if you can sort of be early to any one of the long tail kind of niche ones, like recipes, you know you'll have a kind of a head start and anyone else or just in the market in general. But um yeah, but maybe things like job boards or like product clonables or I don't know, like the other big kind of things mm-hmm. people are building, those that might be more interesting to start building around sooner than later.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty excited too. I'm, I'm working on a couple uh a new project for her and yeah, I mean exactly what you said. It's I don't have an uh I don't have an official way other than like like surveying people of really easily being able to segment the Jetboost customer base into uh different different categories as to what people are building. But right. um yeah, so most most of it just comes from I guess my intuition of uh seeing sites when I'm either working on support or or getting uh email responses from people and then I go and check out their site and see what they've built.
0: So Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you yeah. do you have a um like a content slash resource directory kind of template or a clonable?
1: Uh not yet, but that's definitely a big one.
0: Yeah. I wonder yeah. I wonder how many sort of users or customers now are doing that. I, I feel like I've had a really interesting kind of like peek into the no code world with being in the on-deck new code fellowship Mm -hmm. and just seeing what people are building and how they're thinking about it. And like what comes up more often, even KP talks about a lot. He's like, Hey look, like the content resource directory is like a little bit overplayed and like, it's not, but like, it's a great thing to do. And like everyone kind of starts there and like, it's just a great Mm -hmm. uh, top of funnel kind of popular thing. You'll, we'll see over and over and over again. And um, I'm not sure how most of them are are being built right now. But I think that having a clonable might be, you know, even if it's not like a thing today, a clonable might make it a thing tomorrow if it's not already. Yeah, totally. It's funny. I actually, I saw one person
1: took one of the job board clonables and made a resource directory out of it. (laughs) So it's definitely a popular thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That'll also be interesting to see what people make of the clonables, if they, if it's just a job board still, or if like you said, it changed into something else and what they changed it to.
1: Yeah. Which is cool.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Fascinating stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, I had one issue last week, which I, I know we're going kind of long, so I might just skip cause it's just gonna be me complaining. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, 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 the other great thing that happened was, uh, I got the first video from Nelson. So Ooh. this was, he put together a tutorial video for setting up uh Jetboost seamless pagination. Hmm. And oh my God, <laughs> it, it was, it's funny. I, I have a tendency to want to do people's jobs for them. And it's something like I really need to not do. And so when we were first talking about the project, I was like, do you want me to send you like video scripts as far as what I'm thinking, or do you wanna just like, how does that work? Do you just go and record it yourself? And he's like, no, I'll, I'll handle it, don't worry. Mm. And so I'm watching this video and it's it's so well done. And I'm just thinking like, if I had written the script for this, like it wouldn't have been nearly this good. Like he starts <laughs> out by showing, here's Webflow's pagination, here's, here's how it works. Here's why you would use Jetboost pagination uh, instead, or in conjunction with it because it does these other things. And Mm. I was just like, Oh my God, this is, this is like exactly what Jetboost needs right now is, uh, like really well done tutorials and, uh, based on that one, uh, he, he's definitely going to deliver that.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. I can't wait to see it myself. Yeah. That'll be super exciting. But that, that is a funny like phenomenon I <laughs> feel like think I didn't <laughs> like touch this at all because I would have ruined it <laughs> yeah just hands off and, and let it go and yeah Nelson is, is definitely one of those people that can just you know let them fly that's that's awesome
1: yeah I th- I think I've said it before but the one of the big lessons I'm learning in these last few months is just hiring experts is amazing just being able to somebody a project and like with the clonables and, and now with these videos and let them just run with it. Uh, it's, it's seriously, is <laughs> like, like I I was getting bogged down in a few things last week and then to have that delivered to me, it was just like, wow, this is, you know, things are still happening and moving forward without right. me. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah. not having to hire any of these people like full time to do these things and keeps mm-hmm. you flexible and it's cash efficient and it's a win for them too because that's what they specialize in and i think that's also uh, it's also a big win that you get to do it this way also yeah yeah and
1: from what i've seen when like there i'm going to have so much more work for everyone who's doing stuff for jetboost uh because there's just there's endless amounts of content to produce and uh, you know, so it's it's turning into a win-win for everyone,
0: I think. Yeah, that's awesome. Are, are those videos gonna be published on like a JetBoost YouTube channel or on Nelson's YouTube channel or uh, like hosted somewhere else or how's that gonna work? Yeah, so
1: I think he's planning to publish either some or perhaps all of them on his YouTube channel, uh, which is you know, totally fine with me. That's, that's additional exposure. But uh, my goals for the videos are uh, number one, to have them directly in the product flow. So if you're going to set up one of these boosters uh, <laughs> right now, when, when you create one, you're just like kind of dropped into this settings page and it's sort of like up to you to figure out how it works. Uh, so I'm thinking at the top of that page will be like these tutorial videos. Um, so anyone who's new to the product can uh, review those and, and see how mm. things work. And then also, um, I want to use them for for marketing, basically setting up individual pages on the JetBoost website for like, how to add seamless pagination to your Webflow site. And, uh, I was actually, I was looking at the Webflow university last week and it's basically exactly what I want to create for Jetboost where you have the video at the right. top, but then you also have, um, text instructions with screenshots and animations and all of that. So, hmm. uh, that's, that's the ultimate goal for these.
0: Yeah. Would Nelson also write that sort of like text document version also? So. Originally, I was thinking I would do
1: that, and then I all of a sudden I was like, "Why don't I just ask Nelson if he'll do this?" <laughs> yeah. So I asked him last week, and uh, it it's looking like he is interested, and we'll probably be able to work something out for that.
0: That'd be cool. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Nonetheless, there's probably someone else who could do that. It probably wouldn't be like an amazing use of your time, but if Nelson is already working off of like a outline or, you know, it probably like looks like that while he's recording and like the production kind of workflow. So that's what yeah. I was kind of wondering, like, Oh, huh, probably makes sense if he could, or at least someone else who's just like, Hey, here's like my, my outline, here's my notes. And like, turn this into something that's more legible.
1: Yeah, totally. And I I, I don't think teaching is something that I'm necessarily great at. So having someone else who can write that content, who actually does really enjoy teaching is uh is perfect
0: mm. yeah yeah uh, that's good ice man i'm super stoked that'll be that'll be really fun to see yeah yeah i'm
1: uh that's probably the thing i'm most excited for right now so yeah, yeah. what what's the the,
0: the the target kind of cadence or like frequency is it like one, one a week or a couple a week or a couple of months
1: yeah we're hoping to I'm trying to remember the exact project end date now, but it's we're hoping to wrap up in March, so um, those yep. should be coming pretty soon.
0: Wow. So he's going to knock out a whole bunch pretty, yeah. pretty quick then. Yeah. Nice. Fun? Yeah. yeah, so it should be good. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Well, I think there's maybe one more item on both <laughs> of our lists. Is that true?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll table anything else I have because... I just read this like two minutes before we started recording. So we have to talk about this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, me too. A little bit. I was like half an hour before. Um, yeah. I just saw that. It was funny because I actually saw it in the timeline, but I didn't actually know what it was. But I saw it I had so many comments and I was like, why are 77 people coming on Ben's tweet? that uh, just says like eyeballs and a link. And then I looked and it was like Zapier requires MakerPad. I was like, oh shoot, that's crazy. What <laughs> the heck? And then I read it, and I was looking through all the comments and stuff. But, um, man, that's pretty great. I feel like there's it's been like every other week there's been some sort of SaaS company acquiring uh, a media company, a community, or a newsletter. And um, this is one of the the fun ones. It's happier and MakerPad, like, geez, a match made in heaven.
1: Seriously, yeah. It, it. I mean, you're right. It is really a trend right now for. I think media companies are becoming more value, more valuable because of this trend, where SaaS companies are realizing, like, hey, this is, this is an easy way to really ramp up our content.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so this is one of my, um, my little, uh, bite-sized sort of things that I'm, I'm working on that I'm, really sooner than later I should create a full article on. But uh, it's definitely a trend because, I think from a, a macro level, I just trying to take like a strategic viewpoint. Uh, if you look at marketing, everything that people are, are doing, it's getting like really, really saturated. Like everyone is doing everything everywhere and companies really are turning it like marketing teams are turning into media companies of sorts, like creating native YouTube content, publishing like a, a nice blog. They're creating podcasts and, um, and I think also because SaaS is going so well and like people are just going like crazy. It's not even a matter of like, it's just a good idea uh, or like it's just a matter of speed basically. And acquiring a media company, a newsletter, a community, you know, a podcast network, whatever it is, is like the quickest way to just ramp up marketing. And like, it was this, this the same thing with HubSpot. Like what else do you do at that point when you've like, For them, they could spend another like three or four years trying to recreate what the household did, or like spin up some other thing. But like it might not even work out. Same thing for Zapier; like they could maybe try to hire someone to like build out like a big no-code community and like start creating this content, or they could just buy it, and then it's a it's a win-win. And um, because it's so saturated, like you have to start finding new ways to get in front of new people. Yeah, it totally makes sense. It's crazy, but I mean. Congrats to Ben. Congrats to the earnest team. I don't know what the deal was like or the terms or if Ben is staying on and or if it was full or partial or whatever, but I'm sure that it was a, it was a win-win for everyone there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't have uh, any insider info. Actually, I haven't even seen it on Twitter yet because um, I've, I've been trying to avoid – Twitter more (laughs) now that I have less hours in the day to work, like I can't afford to spend two three hours just browsing Twitter. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, I saw Ben mentioned, or he linked to the article in the Ernest Slack, um, but he hasn't he hasn't provided any insider info. But yeah, Hmm. just really happy for him. I mean, yeah. Ben was well. MakerPad was the first JetBoost customer ever. Um, I mean, technically, Hey Marketers was, although
0: (laughs) it wasn't paying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I set up the script for you separately, but um, right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But yeah, MakerPad was the first paying customer and Ben was just like so generous and and instrumental in helping me uh, get things off the ground in in the beginning. And he was really excited about what JetBoost was doing and it was helping out, uh, you know. MakerPad was was built in Webflow, and uh, was helping him out too. So yeah, I'm just really happy for him.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That was pretty. I mean, MakerPad's only been around for two full years, three years ish. So I'm trying to think like I, I remember the timeline a little bit because uh, when I started him marketers was like right after. It was like it was like five months. I think he like rebranded into MakerPad from Minuco in like January of twenty eighteen, or was it nineteen? I'm getting the years mixed up now. That would have been um, nineteen. It was nineteen, right? Yeah. So it's it's really been like two years basically, which is nuts. Yeah,
1: that's crazy.
0: Wow. Yeah, no code is hot. Yeah,
1: I saw. Uh, I think it was as part of the article they said that the deal uh basically the the zapier ceo reached out to ben due to a tweet about how uh, this guy was saying like airtable and zapier are gonna end up being the two main competitors or hubs in in the no code space Hmm. and that one of them should buy
0: makerpad (laughs) and then it ended up happening yeah yeah and then and then wade was like huh we should buy MakerPad, <laughs> right? It's crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you I can, see you know, I, I hadn't thought about like Airtable versus Zapier because they they've always felt like different products to me.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I when you said that too, I wondered about Webflow because to mm-hmm. me they I mean that's mm-hmm. like the stack is like, you know, what is it, the uh the AWZ or the um you know, it's like the uh the WAS. Yeah, the WAS, right? It's, yeah, it's Webflow, Airtable, Zapier, like the three most common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or like you can swap out Bubble for for Webflow. Um, yeah, it's interesting if you look at Airtable's product updates. you know, they've been doing more with like automations and even like seeing um, sending emails, maybe building up more native integrations with other tools, uh, kind of like bypassing Zapier. Zapier, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they have something with their sleeve and they're also building more native tools that are like complimentary and or competitors. So I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've actually thought about that kind of recently. I, I love Zapier, but it also feels like, well, as the as the marketplace kind of like matures and more companies build native integrations with each other, wouldn't that be like a, a bad thing for Zapier? Like shouldn't over time, like there be less of a need for Zapier. Maybe that's not true because there's just like workflow things that you need to do and flexibility and customization. But, uh, I could see either. Yeah. I don't know if I really see them as competitors, all that to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Zapier
1: definitely has the network effect going for it now, where if you're, a uh new startup and you want to integrate with other products The by far the easiest way to do it is build a Zapier integration. Right. Yeah. And suddenly, you know, your product integrates with thousands
0: of others. Uh, yeah. But I mean, at the same I'm looking time for a web clipper and I'm looking for that yeah. <laughs> integrates with Zapier. Like that's my main like requirement.
1: Right. Yeah. So I, I don't see how, I mean, who knows, but to me, it's hard to see Airtable taking
0: over that space they do yeah they do have the the workflows and I think that maybe the case to be made is like well if most of what Zapier is doing is like from Airtable and Airtable can kind of like do those workflow automation stuff without Zapier then they kind of like bypass Zapier yeah but also like I think at, at its core Airtable is like a pseudo database and at its core Zapier is a connector. And I don't, I don't really see, they would each have to like, Zapier would have to become like a database kind of company. Right. And also, and uh, and Airtable would have to also become a like flexible sort of connector uh, kind of product also. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, like you said, the, the companies are going more native. Uh, Webflow is obviously teased that, they are building zapier like features directly into webflow, but I guess for me it's it's what percentage of zaps are you know these big products like Airtable and webflow uh that if if they lose those to native features have how much have they really lost
0: yeah, yeah, and I feel like I could see a world where um Zapier indoor airtable aren't like the um kind of like the hacky integration, like they're like the advanced integration where the native integration between tools becomes like the basic version. And then you'd use Zapier or Integramat or Parabola to do we're kind of already seeing that with integramat and parabola and mm-hmm. automate, there's like a whole slew of them tray. Uh that's like the advanced thing where then you have like delays and sequences and you can pull in other tools also um so i I could kind of see that world also where it's not really like either or it's more like a um you know that they kind of flip flop a little bit but i don't know yeah
1: well it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out
0: yeah i mean (laughs) things are moving fast it's gonna be (laughs) it's crazy yeah next five or ten years it's really gonna get uh, really competitive. Yeah. You,
1: you know who I'm super excited for? Uh, who I've hung out with him a few times, Pat walls who runs starter story and they are, uh, you know, he, he shares his numbers publicly and revenue keeps going up. And I think for him, even more importantly, like traffic is just, uh, he, he's put out an SEO course cause he's so good at, at SEO mm-hmm. for starter story. And, right. uh, seeing what's happening with, with all these content sites being sold, uh, I, I think the value of, Oh, right. Of starter story has increased quite a bit in just the last two months from what's going on in the ecosystem.
0: Yeah. Oh so. yeah. A hundred percent. That's actually a good point. He should, um, he should make some hints or maybe he should tweet about it. <laughs> and then <laughs> maybe like me, I'll have some sort of serendipitous <laughs> connection. Yeah. I something. mean,
1: I, I have no, I don't know that he's looking to sell right now, right. but, yeah. um,
0: it's it certainly seems like a good position to be in yeah yeah even um i feel like sas it's not that sas companies are in a bad position these days because i there's just like there's a lot of really interesting connections between i was thinking like man no code is really high right now like communities are really high right now newsletters are really high right now creator economy is really high right now sas still is like really high right now and um and because like the pace has been like accelerated so much then i think that we're just we're seeing the evolution like much quicker than we would before like maybe in the last 10 year or 20 years and i don't know that it's necessarily like a i kind of see like a rising tide lifts all boats where like jetboost you're now partnering with creators like nelson to produce content that's like pseudo marketing pseudo Product documentation, product education, uh, you know, companies like HubSpot and Zapier are acquiring newsletters and communities like The Hustle and Trends and uh, and MakerPad and um, uh, content sites, right, are, are being acquired as well. Or, and or partnering or having some sort of exclusive brand deal or, um, you know, partial acquisition where it's kind of like brought to you by X and that's just like another mm-hmm. way that these SaaS companies can can get reached but yeah I'm, I I can see how they would like all work together in like a net positive way I feel like
1: yeah do you know I mean I, like I said I don't know about makerpad um and I don't I don't know if the the hustle had numbers attached to it or not but like with SaaS there's unless it's a strategic acquisition like there's pretty clear uh, parameters or like there's a range that the numbers are going to fall into based on uh, revenue and uh, margin and all of that. To me, in- intuitively, it feels like a content site might not have that. Like you're almost selling the mm. the dream of like, you know, it's not specific revenue. I mean, there is revenue involved, but you, it is almost more of like a strategic acquisition.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's yeah. And that's a I think a benefit for all these content sites and membership yeah, totally, you know, communities and, and whatnot, because then it's not tied to just like profit or revenue. It's more like audience size and potential in the future, which gets you those strategic acquisition prices that are, you know, more than maybe you would see. And, uh, if it was just like a, you know, SaaS company acquiring another SaaS company or going public or whatever. Um, I, th- I mean the rumor that I saw on Twitter was that I think axios maybe tried to leak or you know something uh that the hustle was acquired for 27 million I don't know what the revenue was but I think it was like high seven figures I think mm-hmm. maybe like seven or eight million um so but the, i I don't know if hubSpot can Plans on continuing that revenue or how much of it, uh, right. or if they're just going to kill that off. So, in that way, like you said, it's not really tied to revenue, it's more the audience size and kind of strategic uh, the strategic move of it. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: So now I'm thinking about uh, which one of these companies is going to buy swipe files Mix <laughs> Panel, that. Active Campaign, <laughs> Convert
0: Kit. <laughs> Oh man. I've thought about that 'cause I was originally I was like, I don't know if I would ever sell if it would make sense to sell. I'm still kind of in that boat. Um we'll see though. I don't know. It, obviously there's a long way to go before I would even start to have that conversation, <laughs> but uh, I am I'm gonna put the tweet out that
1: uh one of <laughs> two competing one of these companies should should purchase SWAT files. Yeah, figure out which two companies.
0: I was actually I mean, I was thinking about Sam uh, cause I, I think again in, in the sort of like rumors was that you know it wasn't all cash there was house bought stock involved and I was like dang like I would take that deal because <laughs> a big public company with like a rising stock price and a nice dividend and you know lots of profit like uh, even if it wasn't just for the cash I would think I would take it for the stock and um, that that's like another factor I think that all these people have to think about is you can you can sort of maybe you could get bought for like, you know, a multiple that's nice cash wise, but you could also basically just like get equity in a SaaS company, which is like fantastic. And or a public company, which, uh, you know, could five or 10 X within a few years or several years or a long time, you don't need the money right away. I think, you know, Sam said he's already pretty well off. So he's like, doesn't need the money, but yeah. you now he has helps about stock and he has extra cash to invest elsewhere. And, um, that's another factor there. You know, you get to join the sex company. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. Cool. Well, maybe we'll have more to tweet about or uh, talk about <laughs> next week. as If we hear any more news, but um, again, congrats to, the, to Ben and uh, yeah. well done.
1: Yeah. Really cool to see.
0: Awesome. Well, shall we wrap it? Yeah. All righty. Well, we'll have as many of the, Uh, links and mentions in the show notes. Specifically, we'll have the link to the uh, MakerPad acquisition announcements and a few other things we're working on. And we'll see you in the next one.